Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today I'm delighted to travel to Tuscany to visit an important wine zone, Chianti Rufina, an area that is completely different to its perhaps better known neighbor, Chianti Classico. Rufina is located in the foothills that lead up to the high Apennine Mountains, and has a landscape and wines that are unique and outstanding. My guest today, Federico Giuntini of the Selva Piana Wine Estate, joins me. Good morning, Federico. Thanks very much for being with me. How are you? Fine, thanks, Mark. Thank you very much for having us here. It's a great pleasure. Well, it's a great pleasure for me. I actually visited Selva Piana more than 30 years ago. We met briefly at the time, I was with your father, and I remember such a beautiful estate and wines that I've enjoyed over the years here in England. So, first of all, let's talk about Chianti Rufina, the area. Can you describe the landscape and really give our listeners a picture of this unique wine zone? So, Rufina is very Tuscany but a little different from the landscape and the idea that we have generally about the nice and gentle hill of the southern part of Chianti Classico. Here we are in a very pre-mountains landscape, so narrow valleys, high hills, and the proximity of the Apennine made the landscape more similar to a pre-mountain area. And so it's also an area very rich in woodland, very rich in olive trees growth, and not that much vineyard. Okay, that's important. It's not such a specialist monoculture as we find in other parts of Tuscany. And you've got these high mountains. Of course, the mountains lead across to Emilia-Romagna. And this was one of the main roads that would lead, connect Florence, for example, with Bologna, an important historic road. And in fact, your estate, Selva Piana, was located along this road really as for defensive purposes. Is that correct? Yes, Selva Piana, like many other wineries nowadays or estate, was built first as a watching tower over the valley. These towers were overlooking one each other and they were built to protect Florence. Also, the village of Pontasieve, that is one of the main towns, was first built as a fortified village with an army always there. Because Italy, you know, it's an old country but very young nation and we have been fighting one each other for centuries. 
Sure, of course. Now, who would have been the invaders that needed Florence needed to be protected from? People coming from all different ones. Well, many, many different ones from the French, the Austrian, and other small kingdom in which Italy was divided. So we have this all along the Sieve Valley, this narrow valley, a series of watchtowers that were protecting and could raise the alarm if invaders were coming. Now, that watchtower is actually on the label of the Salvapiana wines. I know that label well. Yes, the label is a very classic label, and it represents Selvapiana as it was when it was bought by Michele Giuntini in 1826. And the tower is in the middle of the villa. Okay, well, let's just hear the Selvapiana story. You've mentioned Michele Giuntini, who first bought the estate. Tell us a little bit about the family. Uh, Michele Giuntini was a kind of banker between end of the 18th and beginning of the 19th century, and he made a quite good amount of money and invested a lot in estates. And he got three daughters and one uh, son, and the daughters were married with the old noble family of Tuscany and Florence, and the male kept the properties. And when he closed the bank, the private bank, Selvapiana started to be a real farmer. And then they went all through the difficulties of crop sharing, the two world wars, and in the 50s, Francesco Giuntini that you met started to produce and started to try to make quality wines in the mid-60s at the end of crop sharing. There was a big change for Tuscany. A massive change then. So this is the end of the mezzadria the crop sharing, and when the farms really had to find a new way to work and to continue after this system that had been in place for, what, 800 years. So it was a big period of transition, and, and your father, Dr. Francesco, was really instrumental in creating Selvapiana as a real quality wine estate. Yeah, it was very tough times in the 60s and 70s. Properties changed hands for very little money. There was not great hopes for farming or for winemaking at that time. So, but slowly, slowly, if you want to put a date or an event, they started to change the history of Tuscany wine was when uh, Pierre Antinori produced the Tignanello. That was probably the wine they showed to all the other producers. There was something better than just selling wine in bulk to the big negotiators. Yes, because as you say, at that time, a lot of wine was sold, I think, in Pontasieve to the big wine merchants that were selling Chianti in the straw-covered bottles. Yes, if you think that in Pontasia there was two main uh, negociants, uh, Ruffino and Melini, and in Ruffina, the other village or the appellation, at a certain point, 2,000 inhabitants, 25 negociants. So there was a big uh, trade of wine, but not great attention quality at that time. Slowly, slowly, we started in the middle of the 17th to see again quality wines and great attention in the wines. It was a long process. Of course, of course. And Ruffina always always had an identity and the potential to make not just good wine, but to make great wine. The conditions in these foothills of the mountains of the Apennini are such that there's a unique character to the wines of Chianti Rufina. Tell us a little bit about this. For sure. If you think that uh, in 1716, when the Grand Duke of Tuscany made probably the first law in Europe to protect the wine producing area, and he named four areas, the historical part of Chianti Classico, Valdarno, Carmignano, and Ruffino and Pomino. So Ruffino and Pomino 
at that time were more or less the same areas and they were already well known as a great wine producing area. What is making the difference here as the proximity to the Apennine and the unique kind of soil that we have. But also, my main is, is the Apennine because we have a climate and more than one. First, we enjoy cooler climate. Then we enjoy a great swing between night and day. And second, the, the ripening season is a little bit longer and more uniform. And especially in the last vintages, they are so warm, we never exceed in sugar. So the wines of Rufina normally are very well balanced with fine, ripe tannins, probably not bigger body, but very good elegance. Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. Okay, so this freshness from the acidity, the cooler weather of the mountains, it's really helping in these years of excessive heat that Tuscany and all of Italy has suffered from. These cooler climates, the range in temperature between night and day, helping to create these wines that are always balanced and have, as you say, great elegance. Federico, I enjoyed very much tasting your wines at Vinitali this year, uh, wines that I have tasted over the years, as I say, here in England. And what struck me as well was that the wines of Selvapiana have a great capacity to age. I tasted a gorgeous 1981 Bucerchiale, wine we'll talk about in a minute, that just was still so vivid and vibrant and full of life. So we're really talking about a wine that goes back to those early years when Dr. Francesco was beginning to really put the wines of Selvapiana on the map. Incredible that wine was still so fresh. Yeah, we are quite lucky that we have a good library. And uh, Francesco started to work on single vineyard Bucerchiale in 79. That was mostly due to his friendship also with Luigi Veronelli. That was, you know, the first, one of the most important wine writers that we had here in Italy back in the days. And due to this friendship, Mr. Veronelli always pushed many Italian producers to work on crew, single vineyard and quality wine. So after that, in 79, Francesco started to bottle Bucerchiale as a single vineyard was also the second vintage that he was helped in doing this by Franco Bernabei. He started here his career as a consul enologist and he's still helping us. Well, that's really interesting that Bucerchiale goes back to 1979 and that gorgeous wine that I tasted was one of the early examples. It was, in a sense, in the same era of Tignanello and really was a super Tuscan. It's 100% Sangiovese, is that right? At that time, it was nearly illegal to make Sangiovese 100% a wine called Chianti or Chianti Rufina. But Francesco, that you have met, is such an honest man, but he decided the best wine of Selvapiana, and one of the best wines of the Appellation, Chianti Rufina, should be in the Appellation. So he never joined the idea of IGT or Vini da Tavola, and then became the super Tuscan movement that really changed the history of Tuscany wine. He always wanted to have Bucerchiale in the Chianti Rufina. I perfectly remember when I started to help him in 18 we had a meeting with Francesco, Franco Bernabei, and myself, and we tried to convince Francesco to put Bucerchiale in the Vini da Tavola group, because for us it was, was, uh, could have been a good chance to increase prices, that, to be honest. And he was so firm to keep Bucerchiale in the Chianti Rufina that nowadays we have to say that he was right. 
That's a really interesting story, Federico. This curiosity that maybe not all of our listeners know that when the Super Tuscan wines were launched, Tignanello, Sassicaia, these were wines that, as you say, had to be put in the vino da tavola category, the lowest category for some of the highest quality and most expensive wines in Italy. So it was an anomaly. But I understand the belief that your father had in Chianti Rufina, in keeping this great wine, Bucerchiali, within the Chianti Rufina denominazione. Tell us a little bit then about your Chianti Rufina, Salvapiana Chianti Rufina, and then, of course, there's the crew wines, Bucerchiale and Erchi. So the Chianti Rufina is our business card. It's the wine that really show what can be a Chianti Rufina, maximum to be average in the cellar, and it's a wine that is uh, fresh, fruity, nice drinkability, good acidity to match food, and this is a wine that is made from a blend of all our vineyards except Buscerchiale. And it's a wine that really tells a lot about the identity of Rufina. And we do it very simple in terms of winemaking, long maturation, natural yeast, large cask and cement, for aging. Even if it's uh, an entry-level wine, it has a long life. In the last 10 years, we started to lay down in our library cellar also some uh, bottles of the Chianti Rufina. And it really can go much farther in terms of aging than we expect. And it's a very full wine. It's a wine I always enjoy drinking. It's a beautiful, as you say, this is not an easy drinking Chianti. Although it's the Selva Piana entry wine, it's a gorgeous, elegant example. It's like a Pinot Noir from a village of a Bordeaux. We, in Rufina, we like to consider ourselves and our area as the Burgundy of Tuscany, or where the Sangiovese become more similar to a Pinot Noir. Tell us about Erchi, then. This is another crew wine, less well-known than Bucerchiale, but a different expression from your different vineyards. If Bucerchiale is the project uh, of Francesco, Erk is the project of my sister and myself. We bought the land in 1998, we planted the vineyard in 1999, and then we waited to have a very well-aged vineyard to release a single vineyard reserve. There was first vintage 2016. And we have been very lucky to be able to buy that property. This is uh, seven kilometers away from Selvapiana, in the village of Pontaseve. It's an amphitheater, a little bit like a concadoro, where we have uh, Poggia Remole from Frescobaldi, Iveroni e Il Capitano. There are four properties. It's a uh, top of a hill southeast facing, and the soil is very different from Buscerchiale. If Buscerchiale is more rich in clay and limestone, Erchi has much more calcare and iron. So the wine has a completely different profile. We were looking for many years to be able to have a second single vineyard, but we needed a different soil. And so we were very lucky to be able to buy that property. And it's very different If you compare... Yes, let's compare Bucerchiale with Erchi. Bucerchiale is more similar to the Gaiole wine. Erchi is more similar to Castelnuovo Berardenga. So in Bucerchiale you have lots of freshness, a good uh, minerality and earthiness, and cherry. In Erchi we have more black fruit and more graffiti. And the wine is richer, big body wine, compared to Bucerchiale, even if they are made in the same way. Yes, I tasted the 2018. It is a big, powerful wine, beautiful wine. What does Terra Electe mean on the label? 
Terrilect is a project from our consortium. Terrilect is a trademark and all the producers that joined the project had to respect two main rules. The wine must come from a single vineyard and the wine must be 100% Sangiovese and it must be aged at least 30 months or, or this 30 months, uh, 12 in all. So this is uh, something that we work a lot together as with the other producer. It will be the best way to put again Rufina as an in the map of a high-quality wine of Tuscan. It's, uh, okay, that's important, Federico. And Terre Electe, then, it's a Chianti Rufina project with the Consortio, and if one sees that on the label, it's the highest quality, rather like the Gran Selezione in Chianti Classico. Yes, something like that, but we have stricter rules in terms of grapes. Just Sangiovese is mandatory to have single vineyard. So we have to declare the vineyard. So if the vineyard is to act as must be to act for the next years. And the next step that we are talking with the other producer is that the vineyard of Terre Lecte should be organic farm. Because nowadays of the 20 producers that we are here in Rufina, 12 we are already certified and the other producers are doing organic farming. So that will be another step to have uh, Terre Lecte as a very unique project. Okay, great. Well, thank you for explaining that. Federico, you've already mentioned that your wines are very good wines to accompany food. Can we talk a little bit about the gastronomy of your area? What are some of the typical foods that you would say pair very well with the wines of Salvapiana. In many parts of the Tuscan, the tradition is the same. For the Rufina, the simple part of our food. So all the appetizer, pasta, pasta with summer dishes like panzanella and uh, papa al pomodoro. Panzanella, this wonderful bread salad. Yeah, and it's very good with white meat as well, like chicken, roasted chicken and vegetables. If you don't eat meat, Rufina is very good with just vegetables as well or uh, creamy cheeses like fresh pecorino. Instead, Bucerchiale and Erchi, they need more serious meat or um, pasta with a serious meat sauce like wild boar, deers. Something I like a lot is uh, duck and lamb. Or cheeses, well-aged cheeses. Yes, certainly. And I know that you export wines around the world, and I think these elegant styles of Chianti Rufina from Salvapiana go very well with more refined cuisine as well. Tuscan cuisine is, I think, beautifully rustic, but also the finer cuisines uh, go well with the elegance of your wines. Yeah, it's quite easy to match with a good food. So the acidity that we have in our wines have to go with many different food. Yes, that's very important, that essential acidity that Rufina has, perhaps at other areas of Tuscany, don't quite have that same defining backbone. Finally, Federico, wine hospitality. Rufina is a beautiful area to visit. As I say, it's probably less well-known to many people who come to Tuscany than perhaps a Chianti Classico, but it's a really stunning area. I know I've passed through driving across into Tuscany or out of Tuscany, but it's an area really one should come and stop in. Tell us a little bit about wine hospitality in the area and at Silva Piana. In the area, we are growing a lot. It's still a gem to be discovered more. Uh, we have uh, three or four estates that really are working very well in hospitality. And probably the best example here in the area is uh, Castello del Trebbio, where Anna started many years ago to work on hospitality, and she's doing very, very well. And, and then we have a uh, few good restaurants, very classic, very typical, very authentic, and at Selva Piana, we still don't have uh, agriturismo or a restaurant, but we do lots of wine tasting and we offer many different 
possibilities of tastings. And we are working together with the other producer to try to get more wine people in the area to discover the area and the quality of our wines. Okay, that's very important that you're all working together to help promote beautiful area with such beautiful wines. And for our listeners who want to experience Selva Piana at the source, to taste wines on the property, there are possibilities that can be arranged. Yes, uh, we have a form in our website. Okay, great. So if people go to the Selva Piana website, and the address of that website is www.selvapiana.it. Okay, so www.selvapiana.it. Great. Federico, it's been a real pleasure meeting you here this morning, talking to you. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. And uh, you've taken our listeners to an important and beautiful area, and you've explained so well the wines of Silva Piana and also a little bit about the history of this estate. So thank you very much for being my guest today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. I hope to see you again here at the property soon. I hope so too, Federico. Alla prossima. Grazie. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. <laughs>